0: It's Monday, September 11th. I'm Josie Duffy Rice.
1: And I'm Abdul Al-Sayed. And this is What A Day, the podcast compatible with all USB-C cords, just like the new iPhone out this week.
0: Yeah, Apple's only doing it because of a law passed by the EU. But we're doing it
1: because we love Y-O-U and because we know you've got way, way too many cords.
0: On today's show, Detroit autoworkers are poised to strike within days. Plus, 19-year-old Coco Gauff comes out on top to win the U.S. Open.
1: But first, an update on the deadly 6.8 magnitude earthquake that struck Morocco late Friday night. Over 2,000 people are dead and thousands injured, as of our recording at 9.30 Eastern Sunday night. And the quake was the strongest to hit the country in over a century. Take a listen to this video recorded during the earthquake, posted on TikTok by user Abby Pollard one
0: just nightmarish, really hard to imagine experiencing something that devastating. Can you tell us a little bit more about the areas that suffered the most damage?
1: Yeah, it really is harrowing. The quake's epicenter was in the mountain range over 40 miles southwest of the city of Marrakesh. In Marrakesh itself, many of the modern buildings were still intact, but plenty of historic structures, including some dating back to the 12th century, were affected. But much of the destruction happened in the small towns near those mountains where the quake originated. Some were heavily damaged or just completely destroyed. For example, the BBC reports that one town just 10 miles from the epicenter was essentially no more. And nearly half of its 200 residents are dead, with dozens more still missing. Here's BBC reporter Nick Beak. Many people had no chance. The way these buildings have been flattened. And if you look at the materials, these were not complex structures. And... An earthquake of this magnitude meant that they simply came crumbling down.
0: I mean, like, losing half your town in seconds. It's just, we keep saying it, but it's just actually nightmarish.
1: You can't even imagine it.
0: Yeah. It's been a few days since the quake happened now. What's happening on, like, the recovery and rescue side? How is that effort going What do we know about that?
1: As you can imagine, Josie, it's been a slog. It's been slow and tough. Mm -hmm. Some of the roads leading to those towns are damaged or blocked entirely by debris, making it hard for rescue workers.
0: Mm.
1: One local senator told Al Jazeera that the army's help was necessary to get to those people in need. But time is of the essence. In total, the World Health Organization said that more than 300,000 people have been affected. So unfortunately, that current death toll of over 2,000 could grow as workers continue to dig under the rubble. Mm. But remember, the death toll is just the tip of the devastation. Thousands of survivors are now homeless. Some have taken a staying in tents, while others have slept on rugs laid outside. Gosh. And the humanitarian crisis could get worse as time progresses.
0: Talk to us about the international community here. Like, what's happening in terms of help coming from other countries.
1: A number of countries have sent or will be sending teams of rescue workers, including planes, medical equipment, food, and more, to Morocco. So far, the countries accepted the help from Spain, Qatar, the UK, and the UAE. And there are ways our listeners can help, too. In our show notes, we'll link to organizations you can donate to, like the Moroccan Red Crescent Society, which is among the many who've deployed workers and resources to help the quake's victims.
0: Yeah, I donated today. If you can give, this is a great effort to give to really necessary right now and there's a lot of loss
1: that's right Josie our family did too and I I really hope that listeners out there will um will reach into their pockets and and give some to folks who just had their lives ripped away from them
0: absolutely okay turning now to some union news there might be another strike on the way this time in Detroit Despite public assurances from the White House, it's looking more and more like auto workers will be striking starting this Friday unless United Auto Workers, otherwise known as UAW, and the big three U.S. car makers reach a deal in the very, very near future. This would be a huge deal. The last time that UAW went on strike was in 2019, and that was just against General Motors, right? So now the union is suggesting they might go on strike against GM, Ford, and Stellantis, which would be a major move.
1: I can tell you, Josie, I was on the picket lines back in 2019, and the mood on the ground now is just significantly worse, and folks feel like they haven't got their fair share in a long time. Wow. So can you tell us a bit more about specifically what the union's asking for?
0: Yeah, so a major part of the ask is a salary increase. 46% over four years is the ask. They also want to restore traditional pensions. They want to institute a 32-hour work week for the same pay. I've seen these proposals called audacious, even by the man leading the charge, UAW president, Sean Fain. But as Fain and others have pointed out, the bigwigs at corporate are profiting majorly from these workers. Their profits are pretty audacious. The big three automakers have made $21 billion in profit in just the first half of this year. Here's what Fain said in a live stream last Friday. The big three have profited a quarter of a trillion dollars in North America in the last decade. Their CEOs have made hundreds of millions of dollars personally. They jack up car prices, they shortchange the workers, they take whatever they can get from the US taxpayer, and they pocket the profit for themselves and their Wall Street cronies. For years, the big three have gotten away with this. They've been the leading edge of corporate greed. That about says it. That does
1: about say it. Imagine making $40 billion in a year and being upset because the people who actually make your cars want some of that.
0: And willing to lose out a big chunk because you refuse to compromise. It's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I know there's been some back and forth on whether they'll strike against all three automakers or just choose one. What's it looking like now?
0: That part is still kind of unclear, though Fein has definitely implied that a strike against all three is absolutely not off the table. Basically, a strike against all three would obviously up the ante here, like it would increase the pressure on the companies to come to an agreement. It would increase the pressure on the government to pressure the companies to come to an agreement. But as much as it would increase the pressure, it would also deplete the union's strike fund in under three months. So the companies would have this incentive to kind of just wait it out, even though it would be costing them a billion dollars a month. After three months, they would know they kind of had it in the bag, right? It's important to say, like, the union isn't the only one vulnerable here. Automakers don't have a ton of vehicles just lying around. They couldn't really withstand a long strike. And as people have pointed out, there are all these new electric vehicles that are supposed to be coming out in the near future. And the strike would set that timeline back. And they really, really don't want that. So they're also very interested in avoiding this.
1: Yeah, I would say that what they've got on the table is probably just worth making sure that workers get a piece of what they're due. You mentioned the White House, and they said publicly they think that there'll be an agreement. Any word on what they're saying privately?
0: According to Politico, White House officials, including Biden, are absolutely aware that a strike is likely to happen. They've been actually in the background encouraging an agreement all summer, having a particular official be involved in the talks and really pushing for the workers and the big three to come to an agreement before a strike happens. Whether or not that will work is to be determined. For what it's worth, UAW is a little miffed with Biden, apparently, who has pushed for manufacturing that counters climate change and encourages clean energy and has obviously put a lot of money into helping create those jobs. But UAW doesn't feel like workers have really been considered in these policies, right? And in these grants and this dispersal of federal money. So Fain has actually refused to endorse Biden's campaign for re-election, saying that the administration should be asking for higher pay and better labor standards when they hand out corporate subsidies for these projects.
1: Yeah, I know one of the big frustrations is that a lot of these projects have gone to uh, non-union shops. Mm -hmm. So where does this leave us now?
0: Well now we wait. As of last Friday, it wasn't looking like an agreement was imminent. UAW rejected counter proposals from automakers who offered increases from 9 to 14 percent over four years, which is like a quarter of what UAW asked for, right? Fain even threw these proposals in the trash on a live stream. If we hit 11.59 p.m. on Thursday without a deal at any of the big three automakers, there will be a strike at all three if need be. He's not playing around, so We will continue to follow this story. That is the latest for now. We will be back after some ads.
1: Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other
0: terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships
1: Registry Malta. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice.
0: Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac?
1: Now, let's get to some headlines.
0: Headlines:
1: The G20 summit wrapped up in host country India over the weekend. The annual summit is a way for the leaders of the top world economies to be together in one room and discuss everything from climate deals to food security to public health. They welcomed the African Union to the group for the first time, since South Africa had been the continent's only member state prior to Saturday. But tensions were high before and during this year's summit especially because of the G20's leaders' sharp differences on the Russia-Ukraine war. Russia is a prominent member of the G20, and this year, the group's condemnation of the Ukraine invasion was notably soft compared to last year's summit. And with major fossil fuel producers around the table, including Saudi Arabia, Russia, and Australia, there was no tangible commitment to phasing out coal and polluting fuels. Still, the U.S. has been looking to strengthen ties with India, despite Prime Minister Narendra Modi's party's dubious ethno-nationalism. And the summit was a big step in that direction. In one of the more significant announcements from the weekend, President Biden helped unveil the launch of a new economic corridor that will link India with the Middle East and Europe through a network of rail and shipping infrastructure.
0: Some updates on the West Maui wildfires. The Maui Fire Department said last week that the Lahaina Fire is officially 100% contained one month after it began. But locals continue to deal with the damage, and fires elsewhere have yet to be contained, too. Around 10,000 customers in Lahaina and Kula are still without clean water. Officials from the Maui water supply have advised residents in both areas to refrain from drinking from their tap, but added that about 85% of Kula residents should have clean water in about a week. It's a long time to go without water. Mm. Meanwhile, Hawaii Governor Josh Green said on Friday that officials plan to reopen most of West Maui to tourists in less than one month. This comes after Green's administration encouraged tourists to visit other parts of the island to support the state's economy while West Maui recovers. You'll remember that the islands are expected to lose nearly $2 billion in revenue due to how much damage the fires caused. Lahaina Town would still be off limits to visitors moving forward. But some were shocked to hear that tourists would be welcomed back to West Maui so soon amid recovery efforts that will likely take years to complete. This all comes amid mounting discourse about Hawaiian tourism and its impact on the livelihoods of locals and native Hawaiians. According to Green, tourists can visit West Maui starting as soon as October 8th.
1: Imagine not having water and then hearing that a bunch of tourists are going to come visit your community in less than a month. Yeah, exactly. The Biden administration suffered a loss in court on Friday. A federal appeals court said that it likely overstepped the First Amendment when it asked social media platforms to remove what it considered false or harmful content about the COVID-19 pandemic and other topics. In its ruling, the three-judge panel, all Republican nominees by the way, wrote that the White House and the Office of the Surgeon General had quote, coerced social media platforms to take down content through quote, intimidating messages and threats of adverse consequences. Friday's ruling specifically restricts the White House, the Surgeon General, the CDC, and the FBI from communicating with social media companies directly. The White House said the Department of Justice is reviewing the court's decision and defended its actions, saying, quote, This administration has promoted responsible actions to protect public health, safety, and security when confronted by challenges like a deadly pandemic and foreign attacks on our elections. Now, the Biden administration has 10 days to seek intervention from the Supreme
0: Court. And Texas is truly getting too hot to handle. Those are the federal government's words, not mine. The U.S. Energy Department declared a statewide emergency order last week over concerns for Texas's power amid record high temperatures. The Texas grid is grappling with a surge in demand as residents are using all the AC that they can to stay cool. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which oversees electricity serving 90% of the state's customers, filed for the emergency order on Wednesday and it was approved the next day. This order could now allow Texas power plants to surpass pollution limits to meet the demand for electricity. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. This comes as Dallas hit 107 degrees last Thursday, which marked the fifth consecutive day of triple-digit temperatures. And it also shattered a new all-time record since temps reached 104 back in 2012. The council warned residents that power outages may become necessary if they can't supply additional resources or the power demand is not lowered.
1: Well, the good news is that Ted Cruz is not using any of that because he's probably in Cancun.
0: It's true. The other good news is that climate change is a hoax. So (laughs) is this even really happening?
1: I don't know. Apparently not. I don't know. Probably not. And finally, let's wrap up with some news from the world of sports. First, Luis Rubiales, the head of the Spanish Soccer Federation, officially resigned from his position yesterday. This, of course, comes after he kissed Women's World Cup winner Jenny Hermoso on the lips without her consent last month, and after Hermoso filed a sexual assault complaint against him just last week. In a statement posted yesterday on X, formerly Twitter, Rubiales said that he had submitted his resignation and wrote, quote, After the rapid suspension carried out by FIFA, plus the rest of proceedings open against me, it is evident that it will not be able to return to my position. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that has more to do with what you chose to do.
0: Yeah. Feels like we're blaming the wrong thing there.
1: In much better news, over in the world of tennis, Coco Gauff took home her first major title win over the weekend. That's the sound of the crowd erupting when she won the U.S. Open women's single title on Saturday after defeating Arena Sabalenka. And at 19, Goff is the youngest American to win the U.S. Open since Serena Williams won back in 1999. Take a listen to what she had to say after her win.
0: Honestly, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Um, I mean, like a month ago, I won a 500 title and people said I would stop at that. Uh, two weeks ago, I won a 1,000 title, and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. Um, so three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. Um, so
1: the... <laughs> and if you haven't seen the clips of a 12-year-old golf dancing at the U.S. Open seven years ago, please do that. It'll melt your heart.
0: Yeah, it's very cute.
1: And those are the headlines.
0: One more thing before we go. Fall is always a good time to refresh your wardrobe, and this year we're asking ourselves, what would the Barbie costume team do? I really have asked myself that pretty much every day since... I saw the movie.
1: I'm thinking like pumpkin spice latte, but in pink with like sequins. Yeah. The Crooked Store took the Barbie aesthetic and really ran with it directly to an abortion rights rally. With the bodily autonomy line, you can push back against abortion restrictions and candy colored teas in cropped and regular cuts.
0: If you're a Barbie, just spin around and you'll be wearing it. If you're a human, head to crooked.com store to shop.
1: I tried that, I am a Barbie, but it didn't work for me. Anyway, I'm just going to the Crooked Store.
0: You're not a Barbie then. <laughs>
1: It turns out Barbie's probably not a hairy brown man. (laughs) (laughs) That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, you go Coco, and tell your friends to listen.
0: And if you're into reading and not just unions flexing their strength like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice.
1: And I'm Abdul Al sayed And and USB USB see you later, Later, Lightning Lightning cables. Cables. I've been so hooked into the whatever the weird iPhone cable is for so long, I feel like I'm about to throw away a whole bunch of cables.
0: No! What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzi Quintanilla. Raven Yamamoto and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.